Welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Axis Communications, and thanks always to our supporting 3X Logic. Also, now we have a special and interesting guest this week, Trelidor Group Marketing and Sales Director, Peter Rawson. Now, Pete has a fascinating background uh, and is in a unique quest. He was born and schooled in Zimbabwe, more on that a little bit later, and after completing his national service with the Zimbabwe Police Service, went to Rhodes University to complete a Bachelor of Arts degree, qualifying, of all things, as a teacher. Uh, now, Peter captained the Zimbabwe national hockey team, 55 tests, as well as the Zimbabwe national cricket team. We do love cricket. They played in the Intercontinental Hockey Tournament in Malaysia and two Cricket World Cups, uh, one in England in 1983 and then the India-Pakistan World Cup in 87. He's also played 10 cricket one-day internationals for Zimbabwe between 83 and 87. Now, having left Zimbabwe in 89, he played the rest of his cricket career with Natal in South Africa, captaining the provincial team before finally retiring after the 94-95 season. Now, this is where Peter then entered the commercial world, a number of senior positions, moving to South Africa in 89, before joining Trelidor, which is what we're going to be talking about a little bit more today in 96. Now, he sat on most of the Trelidor boards as a director over the year and currently sits on the main board as an invitee board member. Now, many of our international and perhaps well-traveled audience members will recognize uh, Peter as the face of Trelidor uh, from the company's famous Wrecking Ball advert on TV around 2015. For those that don't know it, go and Google it. Uh, the advert features a full-size wrecking ball flying towards Peter, who, standing behind a Trelidor security gate, is stopped from it hitting him by said gate, completely unflinched. Now, I understand he's lost count on the number of times he's been stopped at airports and on planes and asked if he's that man, the wrecking ball guy. And in spite of the fact that the advert hasn't played on TV for a number of years, still happens to these days. For those that have seen the advert, and I was one of them, wondering, was it actually genuine? And did the wrecking ball go towards him because he looks so unflinched? Then, yes, it's a real wrecking ball. And he does, in fact, stand unflinched. I guess maybe all of those years uh, on the receiving end of those menacing fast bowlers at the crease stood him in good stead. And that is just the brief version of uh, this man's background and history. So, Peter, welcome indeed. Thank you for being my guest. Oh, it's a great pleasure, Paul, and really good to meet you and, and have the opportunity just to share some of the, the past experiences. Thank you very much. Yeah, I imagine there's a raft of stories that uh, probably going to require exploring in more detail. But before we get going, I have to ask, growing up in Zimbabwe, Rhodesia as it, as it was, what was that like for, for, for young Peter? Um, in the in the early days, I mean, for anybody who's ever had the, the opportunity to go there will know when I say it was literally an, an absolute privilege. We lived in a fantastic um, weather and climatic environment. Uh, the country's sports um, and education mad. Um, and with the weather and the, the enthusiasm and the interest at that level, it was a fantastic background. And I think you probably all met um, Rhodesians and ex-Zimbabweans uh, and you'll see that come through in the personalities of anybody that, that, that had that experience and, and were lucky enough. Just sad to see where a lot of those infrastructures have ended up but we always live in hope that that's, um, that's something that's going to get rectified in the future. Yeah it's uh, yeah it, it, it's, it's there's certainly some challenges there and uh, you know we, we hope that they sort of get get resolved if that's the right word. Now as a youngster growing up in that amazing environment, did you dream of becoming a professional 
sportsman, a professional cricketer. Was that always the always the passion? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I, th I think all of us as youngsters um, that, that, that find that we do have some sort of talent and that starts to come through in the early ages of, of our junior schools, that the ultimate goal is definitely to stand on a sports field singing your national anthem and, and competing at the top level. I really didn't think it would be cricket. Um, I made uh, national um, uh, schools at, at the end of my senior schools as a wicketkeeper and a number three batsman, but it was more hockey for me. Um, in those days, um, I was I was very um, much more no well better known for uh, my hockey um, uh, prowess, and uh, yes, that that became more of a of a, a driving force in my early days. Unfortunately, the hockey uh, crumbled a bit. Uh, politics got in the in, in the way. Yeah. Um, and then I was exceptionally lucky. I mean, you talk about life. Um, we talk about being in the right place at the right time. You talk about luck and all of that. Um, I was I was very, very fortunate. I was right time, right place, just as the Zimbabwean Cricket Association got accepted back into world cricket. And then the first thing we, we looked up and we were at the ICC trying to qualify for the England um, World Cup, which we won. Um, and that was the beginning of my cricket career. So on the professional side, um, that was the, my introduction. Um, I was very, I've, the, the, the interesting thing is that I came back into cricket um, from being a wicketkeeper number three bat. I ended up as an opening bowler and a seven or eight that used to try and smash the, the last five overs out of the ground. Mm. But um, yeah, very interesting and obviously a lot, a lot of stories that, that, that go with that down the road. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, as a, as a youngster, um, there was an England cricketer, a left-handed batsman called David Gower uh, that played for the county where I grew up. And uh, many afternoon was, uh, was sort of snuck off from uh, college as sixth form as it was at the time to because it was five day tests, of course, that, uh, that that were popular at the time and sort of sat there. Um, but uh, yes, my, my cricketing prowess uh, sort of peaked and deteriorated by the age of about 14. So uh, I'm pleased that yours uh, continued. Uh, yeah. Avid, yeah. avid, avid water it remained. So, you know, you, you sort of went through, so hockey was the first, was it, you, like you say, you rose up through the school system and on to get selected for nationally? Is that how you got noticed? And then the break was right place, right time for the cricket? It must be more complex than that. Stop being so humble, Peter. <laughs> Um, yes, I mean, the structure that, that the schools provided was fantastic. I mean, we used to have close to 10 rugby sides and about eight hockey sides. So it really was a tough environment. You had to get your act together and realize um, a lot of fundamental uh, requirements if you were ever going to even play on the A side for your school, let alone go on to provincial and then ultimately national. So on the, on the cricket side, I mean, I... Um, once we hit the road running, uh, it was ICC, it was World Cup, and then we had a number of um, um, uh, Pakistan sides, um, English sides, New Zealand sides, Aussie sides that, that then um, sporadically came out and towards Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing for me was even at that stage, none of us um, were, were able to become professional cricketers. It, the, the professional era hadn't started until we, Zimbabwe was actually awarded test status. Um, the money, just the, the, the investment and in money was just not there to pay for professional cricketers. So 
all of us um, were, were um, business, we had jobs and the cricket was, was over and above and, and we had very generous uh, bosses who gave us time when there were tours and things. I mean, my one hockey tour that we did through Europe was a six week tour. Um, and we literally played Germany twice. Uh, it was Austria, it was um, Spain, we played England, we played uh, uh, Holland. Um, but yes, we had to find six weeks from from yeah. somewhere. So some very generous bosses. Not sure we would get away with anything like that now. Yeah, and then from some... perspective, I was very lucky. Uh, Duncan Fletcher was my mentor. He was my captain at the time, and and took us to that first World Cup. And Duncan had had a, um, an experience in the Lancashire League playing for Rishton. Um, and he recommended me uh, for to them, and they they were very happy. So that was my first real forte into professional cricket, where I went across for that sort of six to eight month period, played in the Lancashire League. Um, and then I got a couple of, uh, also played for Suffolk at the same time in a different tournament. Um, and then I got a couple of um, uh, offers from uh, Nottinghamshire and uh, from Hampshire. Um, it, the Hampshire one was interesting because um, the West Indies were touring England and uh, Malcolm Marshall was there pro um, and they were looking for someone to replace him so you could imagine um, how um, bucked I was when I got uh, nominated to to be approached but at that stage I was 27 um, I, the sort of whole um, uh, requirements of, of, of going professional and um, I just missed the bus if quite honestly um, I stayed obviously playing the next World Cup in India Pakistan were my next uh, highlights um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting time, um, and <clears throat> I must say, Paul, you know, it, it, just bringing it back to business a little bit, it did um, uh, generate a passion in me about strategy and and how important it is to be able to strategize before you actually enter any a match or tournament or business um, situation and. Um, Certainly my background from the sports, uh, you know, I don't have to tell anybody. Um, uh, we all have different national sports and so on, but there's never a time you sit in a business environment trying to work out a plan or a strategy that you don't defer to sport and vice versa. You know, when you're sitting there in sport, you, you're talking about, listen, we need a game plan here. And if we've got time, I'll, I'll share a, a, a story which I often tell, which um, does name drop a couple of guys, but anyway, it's quite an interesting story. But it brings us back to this whole thing that if you've got a good strategy that's been well thought, then your next biggest problem is to make sure you've got the people who can actually deliver against the strategy. And that's been my passion um, going forward, um, both when I was playing cricket and, um, and, and even in my business career. Um, it's really been a, a fascinating um, um, background that, that I managed to use. And, and it did give me a few credibility, uh, a, a bit of credibility as well, you know. And there were situations where the odd story is, is a, a wonderful um, uh, part and parcel of, of getting the message across, you know. Yeah, it's interesting you talk strategy there. I have a, um, a friendship, and you might say it's a slightly odd one, but uh, uh, the very famous West Indian... Uh, batsman Chris Gale um, is uh, is a friend of mine and um, he's over in London at the minute so see you next week Chris uh, and I remind him of his um, 
uh, his strategy uh, seems to be hit every ball four or six. Uh, so, you know, you say, <laughs> you, you, you talk. Yeah, his strategy is something like, if I can see it, I'm going to hit it, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's been very, very successful. I, I do know, I do know Chris, um, but I know, I know um, a lot of the more older West Indians um, because we, we actually played, had to play the West Indies twice in that first World Cup. And that was the mighty Clive Lloyd, Gordon Greenwich, um, uh, and, and uh, Larry Gomes, and, and that, 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 that team, which was infamous. Um, Viv Richards, of course. So, um, yeah, uh, Chris is quite a youngster compared to that, yeah. that bet. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to tell us that, uh, that, that story in a minute. But, um, but before we, we come back to that, these days you're working for Trellador. How did that come about? The, you sort of, you decided it was time to, to hang up the, the spikes and the bat, and then you went to the commercial world. Just, just talk me through that transition, because it looks like you've always had senior commercial roles as well. Yes, basically what happened, and to keep it short, is I got very frustrated in Zimbabwe. They hadn't, we'd been to the two World Cups. We were beating some very good sides. We beat Pakistan. In the, in the UK section, we beat Aussie in that first game. And then in the next World Cups, we, we more than held our own. Um, and um, uh, But we still didn't get the actual um, test status. And at my age, I got to the 30s. Um, I was running out of time. I had a fantastic offer um, from Durban. Mike Procter was the coach down in, in Durban at the time. Um, and a fantastic job offer from a, a company called Masonite, actually an American-owned um, company, which was um, hardwood uh, in the furniture, ma mainly furniture and housing. Um, so Masonite were fantastic to me during my, my Natal playing days through, through to the end. Um, and then when I eventually hung up <clears throat> my boots, uh, which was an easy decision because there was an unbelievable I was part of two years of bringing through um, uh, an incredible crowd of youngsters. And it was the John T. Rhodes and the Andrew Hudson's, uh, Benkenstein's and uh, Pollock's. Um, it was just an incredible. And, and my last two years was with um, Clive Rice uh, joined us. And of course, Malcolm Marshall, uh, which was fantastic because that obviously took me back to when I played against him. Um, and that, that was um, my, an incredible uh, experience. The Masonite made it happen. And then a year or two after that, I literally got headhunted um, by the Trellidor um, uh, um, MD at the time. Um, and it was security. Uh, we do fixed security, very um, uh, unashamedly um, fixed. Uh, and we, we stuck to the, to the game plan. But um, it was at a time when Nelson Mandela had, had got his, uh, his um, his uh, country together and was in power and uh, in amongst a lot of the white and Indian um, communities, there was this unknown and, and it was a fear as to what was going to happen in this transition and security became a very, very big um, uh, number in everyone's and Trillidor is a unique, uh, had a unique offering and retractable and fixed security at the time. Excellent quality. Um, and um, a lot of capacity. Uh, let me quickly say that. So when there was this splurge, um, they needed a marketing and sales guy to come and pull this thing together. Um, and that's really, I had, I've had a fantastic 25 years um, with Trellidor. I started as the marketing and sales guy um, in principle. 
and that position I still hold today. I sit on the board. Um, and really all we've done is we've, we've just, um, we put together an incredible network within South Africa. It also goes into Africa and, and England. Um, we have had a couple of goes in the European, in some of the European areas. We're in Aussie um, and we're in America, very, very new, but we are there as this whole um, need for security um, uh, in, in commercial and retail and in, in housing, very, very big. Um, in South Africa in the housing and residential, we still do commercial. But the, the actual um, career that that, that um, unfolded as, as time went by was amazing. Just to, it, it's the people, it's been, it, it's just been a great exercise in um, how important business um, and people, um, the people side of, of, of a business is. And that's been my passion. Um, and that's where this, the whole sport, I mean, it's just all the same, you know, it's people, it's having goals, it's training hard, it's working hard, it's clarity on strategy, it's supporting one another. And the biggest one for me, obviously, at the end of the day, is winning and, and celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the part we were always very good at. So yeah, I've, I've basically come through that whole, um, that whole process. And it's been a, a really fantastic ride. The top people from the top organizations with the latest thinking about the best strategies to use in the greatest industry on earth, retail. The Retail Conference from the Retail Bulletin, exclusively at Retech Europe, 8th and 9th of November. Search The Retail Conference for more details. Upon great innings there at uh, at Trellidor. Now I had a quick look, and I was there something like twenty four offices around the world, but we're only really just hearing about Trellidor in the UK. Given the close ties between South Africa and the UK, it, it seems like a really good fit. You know, why 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 only just now that the Trellidor name is sort of getting more and more well known in the UK market? Do you think? Yeah, Paul, it's a really good uh, point. And uh, from our point, point of view, we've been um, in the UK since 1992. <clears throat> our first sortie there was, um, I'm going to say it was a branch, it was a very small start up in, um, up in Tipton, um, near Birmingham. And um, it was really toe in the water. We, we, had an, uh, we, we developed affiliations with mostly the roller shutter type um, companies and, and um, installation guys. Um, but it was very interesting because the demand in the UK, and it, it's very clear that obviously the crime rates are very different to what we experienced throughout Africa and South Africa, but the requirement was more commercial, corporate, retail. Uh, we secured police stations, schools, um, uh, bigger states, and in very, uh, very steady in our um, offering were retail stores who were trying to secure not only their, 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 their perimeter, but also ex explicit areas within the store, like the kiosks, the, the cigarettes, the, 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 the um, liquor and, and the perfume um, kiosks, which are high value. Mm. Um, and that is the part of the business which has been amazing for us because it's it's um, been sustained throughout all these years. We Trillidor has gone from a 
a sort of a branch and then we we had a, a big manufacturing um uh entity which then uh, we overextended and we cut back again so it's been a it's been a really interesting journey but um the, the biggest highlight for us is that the uk by definition has be has been our product development uh, innovation um hub and the number of, of requirements that have come out of the, the first world UK business um, scenario, particularly the retail um, uh, entities like Tesco's and the, and the Sainsbury's. Um, we've also put um, massive uh, security products into the London Underground, which was, which was huge. But all of those uh, environments brought innovation, it brought new design requirements, and, and it really um, got the creative juices and the challenges for our technical guys. And it's been amazing that we've been able to not only take on those challenges, but actually deliver. So at the moment, we're sitting with a manufacturing plant um, still up in the up in the Birmingham area. Um, we are very, very uh, um, active with the, the likes of Sainsbury's. We're still working with London Underground. And the, and the plan is to invest more uh, in capacity and people um, and get out there and do more. We've got a much wider product range, which also is is key. Um, I don't have to tell anybody that's that's in business that it, it is absolutely amazing how there are different requirements out of different target markets. And that's where the opportunities come from. But you've got to be uh, bold and you've got to be prepared to put a bit of um, investment into um, following, following those opportunities. And um, yeah, I think that the strategic thinking for us has been um, steady um, and slow. Don't we saw what happened when we got ahead of ourselves uh, way back in the early 2000s, and um, it's not going to happen again. We 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 are establishing uh, partnerships with local um, companies, and it's it's working really well. So, yeah, I think um, the whole world is so much aware now of um of of security as a and it's 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 cyber uh, security it's internet security it's, it's security is a big thing in all of our lives and i think the big challenge for trelly any business out there is is to become an integrated offering um and move away from particularly for trelly perspective being so dedicated to physical we, we need to integrate with the smart the green the environmental friendly functional aesthetic um and that's that's really the challenge for the next marketing and sales director i suppose yeah. <laughs> i mean it's you know we've we've started to see the trellidor name appear you know at retail risk our physical conferences the london one which you're at uh, on the 19th of may celebrates its 20th anniversary this year um, we're not quite sure where those 20 years went but trellidor are there i was interested to hear you say you've got uh, design and innovation as well as manufacturing in the uk that really is quite the quite the commitment to have all of that on site so you know for the future of the of the company you know i've met some of your team here in the uk very very uh, smart people very credible you know you you must be optimistic very buoyant so so what is the future for trellid or what's the future for you you mentioned the next sales and marketing director surely not <laughs> well, let me let me answer your first one. Um, if, yes, we we are over the moon at the moment. We have um, 
a number of our homegrown um, uh, South Africans um, that, that have uh, immigrated and have settled in the UK. Uh, the latest being a Mark Hamilton Payne, who is a very, very experienced um, uh, manager uh, at very senior levels. We've, we've um, partnered with Mark. He's come in to take over and, and lead that uh, Trillidor um, uh, business. And then we've got a number of uh, uh, highly technical and highly experienced guys, um, a lot of uh, from South Africa. Um, so now the next step is is to put that team together and then start integrating into into England as a whole, um, and getting the home homegrown people that, that have the relationships, have the knowledge. Um, so it really is. Uh, this is. I, I don't think we've scratched the surface as to where it's going to go. Um, on my perspective, um, I'm I'm reaching uh, the age where I have to, um, in fact, retire. It's uh, it's a company policy, but I'm happy to say that they've um, uh, recognised my my experience and um, potential to be still part and parcel of these these exciting projects that are on the table. So I've got a new role that I'm going to take over international um, as of uh, July. Uh, I've been responsible for international anyway, but I'm going to take it over and really concentrate. We're not in South America. We, we need to get into America more. We've got to take England and make England our hub to jump the channel into Europe. Um, we are in Aussie, but not anywhere near what we'd like to be. We've got guys in New Zealand that have got their hand up. So you can see that whole requirement for security coming through around the world as it becomes a, a key um, uh, um, objective for many people. And then I'm going to sit on uh, the, the exec um, uh, board um, for future um, innovation, uh, new opportunities, new markets and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm a long way from sitting um, on, on the beach with a book. Um, I've got lots to do still. So I'm very excited about where that's going. And I guess they can't let you go just yet because I'm guessing you are still first pick on company sports day you know <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, no it, it's quite right <laughs> and interestingly um following the cricket theme uh we have events in sydney and melbourne and our melbourne event is at the mcg so it's at the melbourne wow. cricket ground so uh awesome. we have an amazing room there overlooking the pitch so uh, you're spotting a bit of a we, we like a sports theme with our venues wherever possible yes. so, uh, yeah. so yeah we're, we're, we're at the g as I said, it's the whole business is sport and sport is business as far as I'm saying. You know, you look at all these training gurus and it's always the same theme. It's the teamwork and it's the strategy and it's getting the right people to understand and do the right thing at the right time. Um, and I mean, I, you talk professional sports, Paul. I, I, I just look at the, you, know, you look at the tennis players, you look at the golfers, you look at, at any professional and the, the professionals that they now have behind them oh, yeah. and supporting them. I, I think of Clive um, uh, Woodward when he won the World Cup in, in Aussie, I think there were two separate planes to take the players yeah. on one and all the support teams on the other. And that's where it's gone, you know. But it's because if you're not up at that level and you're not ticking those boxes, then you actually don't have a right to even walk on the field and start competing. Yeah. So I can't let you go without winding you back to that story, which you said you've told once or twice before, but I've not heard it. And I'm guessing okay. our audience might have heard it. So K 
come on, s sign us off with, uh, with okay. the anecdote. Yeah, bear with me. I'll keep it as short as I can as well. But um, we were playing against, uh, Natal were playing a one-day game against uh, the Northerns. And Ma Ma Malcolm Marshall was, was playing for us. And traditionally, in that period of time, I used to open the bowling with, with Malcolm. And we had a little trick up our sleeve where I used to bowl all my nine overs um, up front. Um, and uh, Brian Laura was signed on to play for North Northerns, and it was a key game for them. And Malcolm was an absolutely amazing man, and anybody who's met him will will never forget it. And I was fortunate enough to send, spend two years as, as basically his roommate. And um, so Malcolm was a strategist from from note, and he really was experienced his 16 years at that point in time in the English county cricket and test cricket. I mean, it was just... And this particular time, we were all sitting there saying, wow, we've got to bowl at Brian Lauren. You know, he smashes it and he murdered the, the South African side in the previous World Cup and knocked us out with his 100. Um, and and uh, Malcolm just said, guys, it's all about a simple plan. And, and I tell the story basically in terms of that business sport uh, concept. And, and he said, guys, it's going to be very easy. If you thought about the fact that Brian can't score runs if he's not facing he can only he can only score runs if he if we bowl at him. So we got to come up with a plan where we keep him off strike, and the plan was very simple. There was a, a the other his opening partner was was not the, an aggressive. He was the guy that was up there to to bat through, and Brian was going to smash it. So long story short, after about the fourth or fifth over, Brian had faced three balls. Um, the rest we 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 literally had a, a, a plan that said, look, if this guy nicks it. Or we hit his pads and it looks like a good shout. Don't appeal and drop it. Don't don't take the catch. You keep this guy in, and then would give him one run at the end of every over. And after about four overs, Brian Laura stood there in the middle of the pitch and said to Malcolm, "I know what you're doing." And Malcolm said, "Well, you're the batter. We're just bowling straight. You're just not taking the risk." And they had a little. Um, I mean, Brian Laura literally walked into the change room at the beginning of the game and almost bowed and, and saluted Malcolm. You know, he was one of his heroes. So long story short, we eventually couldn't get, uh, Brian had a chance. He came down, he was facing, I was bowling, and uh, I, I dropped one slightly short outside the off stump, but it, was, it wasn't really wide enough to cut. But he was so frustrated. I mean, he just lashed at this uh, uh, delivery. And it went screaming off to, through point, only to find the, the very safe hands of John T. Rhodes, who was at that time, I don't have to tell you, was the best fielder in the world. And Brian Laura had batted for five and a half to six overs. Um, and I think he scored one run and only faced about five or six balls. And to me, I tell the story because it was, it was simple in, in, the, in the concept. Um, it did take... Uh, delivery and and and, um, and and discipline to actually stick to the plan, and it worked. And you know, at the end of the day, it's such a beautiful story um, in terms of that's how we got to run our businesses. That's how we got to play our sport. Um, and if you don't, then it becomes a frenetic. Uh, let's try game their plan B. Let's try. It, it doesn't work that way. So, yeah, it was uh, yeah. it was a really good experience for me. Love it, love it. Well, I mean, I, I, I said to Malcolm Marshall the one day, I said to Malcolm, I've just read a book and I call you Rubber Man. He says, I'll tell you about that one day. But I said, they also say you've hit more batsmen on the head than anyone else. 
And he said to me, Pete, that's rubbish. Eh? I, don't, I don't know where they get that from. So I said, no, it's here. It's here. here are the stats. You've hit like 120 batters or whatever. He said, Pete, what you don't understand is I never hit anyone. The ball hit them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, he was it was an absolute experience and privilege to to spend the last two years of my career with, with him and Clive Russ, funny enough. Yeah. yeah, Clive was exceptional. Yeah, some great names there. Oh, Pete, it's been exceptional talking uh, to you today as well. Real pleasure. Um, I sense uh, that uh, if uh, left to it, we could probably make a three and a half hour podcast at least. That's just uh, <laughs> just just on stories alone. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're absolutely thrilled to see Trellidor go from strength to strength in the UK. I'm also delighted that you're going to take on the international role as well. So who knows? We might get to meet in person in some far flung sunny place that uh, that also happens to play cricket as well so i look forward to that one day but for now uh peter rawson thank you very much indeed for joining us thanks paul lovely to meet you and thank you for the time and uh, i really hope we do meet up that'll be fantastic i've got a few more for you i promise <laughs> <laughs>